Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Engadget Podcast. This is episode 33, Losing My Edge. Joined this week by a, a very familiar face in Dana Woolman, carb queen of the Engadget realm. Hi. <laughs> I, I always love your giggles. They make me very and happy. And I do have the giggles today. You do. It's yeah. been, it's been a, a very giggly morning for yes. you. Uh, we also have a fresh new face, Evan Rogers, newest member of the Engadget family. Hello. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Yeah, no, I am Evan Rogers, that is my name, and I am the new social media man manager for this publication. How, how was your first, uh, what are we on, week two? We are on week two, that's right. So how's the first two weeks being on the team so far? I mean, it's been great. The The team is, like, incredible. Very high energy. There's love. a lot of weird sides to your job, one of them being gadget pornographer, basically. Oh, you just, God. like, he's the guy putting up um, all of those really slick, um, well-shot photos on Instagram. Is that like a thing you love? Like, like, oh, yeah. like, be honest with me. Like, oh, you can yeah. you can be upfront here. Like, that's like a thing oh, yeah, that like you're really into. I was <laughs> right. I, I brought my tripod. Like, I you know, he's like, we've where's got your lights. camera? Yeah, <laughs> where are your gadgets? Where, which drawers are the cameras in? Um, <laughs> where, I got work to do. Where, where's the closet filled with shiny things that have buttons and exactly, lights on them? Exactly. Um, <laughs> Listen, the people love it. it it's gets, true. It gets the people going. I, I gotta say, I'm you know, I'm. I enjoy gadget porn, but I'm also a guy who really loves like things that have lots of buttons and stuff. Yeah. So I'll be honest, like when I see like a nice phone, it's not so great. But like you show me like a big piece of stereo equipment that's got like knobs and sliders and shit, like or like a synthesizer, I'm like all over it. I think that's the problem with stuff that we have right now. It's very shiny, which is great. Yes. But you know, texturally. I mean, especially when it comes to <laughs> Phone, photography, like I, I, I want the buttons and dials. Yeah. Phones are, you know, honestly a little boring sometimes. That's well, I mean, we just put up the. Uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned this. We just put up the picture on Instagram of the Galaxy Tab S3, and like the tablet is cool. The tablet is like a good tablet, but the the like visually interesting part is the keyboard. Yeah. So if like in all the pictures I took for that I mean, we, the Instagram we ended up putting up was like the one that you should put up which is the whole thing but the cool shots were all like of the keyboard and like the and it's funny because Sherlyn the reviewer did not actually like the keyboard that much I think she wrote a sentence like I was able to tolerate it most yeah. of the time <laughs> I mean yeah functionality who knows but yeah. just in terms of I mean, yeah, I mean, but a tablet is just, sometimes it's just a rectangle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, and to be clear, I'm not saying necessarily that our photos are boring. Just, like, as a, as a product category, like, phones and tablets, they've kind of, like, reached this, like, point where there's not too much of a difference between most of them. Like, they're all oh, kind yeah. of the same. They're, they're, they're glass rectangles that run out. The iPhone in the office was fun the other day. You missed that. I did. Yeah. I miss most things that happen in the office, to be it, clear. I just want to put this out there I did I just don't like it in pictures but in real life it actually does look like really cool I would I would prefer it if the front hat were in black and oh not white gosh. we've had an in guys we've <laughs> had an intense debate in the office about this what color scheme Apple should have gone with 
And Does anyone know why? We have opinions on like, other things, why? too, but yeah. We have opinions on other things, too, but most importantly is the color scheme. I am truly unclear on why they went with white. Yeah, it's like a Swiss flag kind of thing. It is like a, yeah, it's got a very, like, candy cane Christmas vibe going on because of that white front. Also, I have to imagine that they, like, sell a lot more of the black ones, and so they have, like, I don't know, higher inventory numbers of... This is speculating like now, but like well, maybe, well, maybe they sled of an iPhone. Maybe the issue is that they sell so many more black ones, so they have all of the white faces left over, just like sitting in a warehouse. And it's like, what do we do with it? Slap it on this phone instead. I don't know. You'd think that the 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 monumental rise of, of rose gold would have something to do with that. <laughs> don't give us anything, guys. We're really ungrateful. It's true. Yeah. And unappreciative. <laughs> By the way, before we move on, is that new iPhone in the office currently? Can I go play with it and look at it? On air. Not on air, just in general. After, yeah. yeah, when we're done recording I this. think is, is harboring it. Mm. So I have to hope that he comes into the office with it. Or find him. And then mug him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, who did I threaten to mug last time? I threaten a lot of violence against I people on the show. I think it was Nate, show. but either way, people you could probably take in a fight. <laughs> oh, I threatened, no, it was Devendra. I threatened to jump him for a switch. You could also. <laughs> oh, fair. I mean, honestly, fair. Yeah. Because it's your only source now. Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted to play Zelda, and I didn't want to pay $360 to do it. Well, you, you can't now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so we're running one of our themed weeks here on the site. Uh, we're doing adult week, and by adult, we don't mean uh, not safe for work stuff. This is, you know, how to kind of act like a grown-up on the internet, online, how to deal with like the sort of pressures that come with our modern technological age and all of that nonsense. Um, and also just kind of like self-improvement through technology, which I think is uh, something that gets a lot of lip service from people, but totally um, is often fails unless you approach it properly. I think, um, you know, Correct me if you guys disagree, but I think like the this whole like sort of technological stuff, like apps to make yourself a better person, really kind of lowers the bar to entry to where nobody feels like they have to put any effort in. And so it's like, oh, I'm gonna pick up this app to like train my brain to make me smarter, and then it just kind of becomes like a thing they do on the commute to work, like once or twice, only half pay attention, and then never use the app again. Totally. I yeah. mean, like you know the the. Edu like the ebook like education market has just been like popping for like the last five years or whatever and then like self-help books have been the thing since the beginning of time but you know well then there's the internet I mean um, not even just apps apps specifically but just for all the crap that's on the internet all the stuff you can actually useful stuff yeah you can actually learn and I mean learning to identify the useful stuff versus like the garbage mm -hmm. is also kind of difficult and I think like an important part of becoming like a grown up and you know the whole digital literacy thing. <laughs> Truly the struggle is real. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean one of the things that I, I that um, sort of inspired us to do this week was my own experiences um, becoming more comfortable in the kitchen. Yes. And that was mostly um, through what I learned on the internet and crowdsourcing on social media. Yeah, and this is something um, we we didn't get to write about, unfortunately. You did not do a piece on that this week, but I want to dig into it. I actually want to talk about yeah. that quite a bit. Um, I don't think any of us wrote any pieces for this theme week on the show, unfortunately. The perfect cast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess technically I did in that I wrote a piece introducing the concept of Adult Week. I don't think a piece on how I came to subscribe to Martha Stewart's newsletter would be very on-brand for us. Um... um 
I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can make it work. Yeah. But I mean, all right, so hang on. I want to, let's, before we get to that, because before we really dive down that rabbit hole, um, let's kind of just talk a little bit about the sort of genesis of this. And I mean, what's the sort of reasoning behind doing these sorts of themed weeks too? Like, and not like an insidery media way. But like uh, traffic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no. let's just say is outside of that. Um, you know, obviously there's lulls in the news cycle, and you have to fill that space with something. And you know, but I mean, I think readers enjoy it, but we enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's these are the stories I enjoy editing most, and I think writers enjoy not only writing them, but um, the brainstorming process. Well, this is I, I think one of the strengths of these, and why these sorts of things always tend to do. Uh, pretty well in terms of the quality of the content in terms of traffic is that this gives people on staff to kind of break out their expertise and passion in a way that they don't normally mm-hmm. get to do during the news cycle. Like when you're when you're attached to reporting on things that are going on and worrying about whatever the newest phone is or uh, whatever FCC regulation is getting struck down that week, you don't get to really dive into uh, things about like how you've made the conscious decision as a father to keep your child off the internet and I think that's stop sharing fo- and not share photos of them so that they don't have this record a mile long by the time they turn oh, yeah. 16. So I think that's that's what I loved about this theme week. Theme weeks in general are such a good opportunity to go deep on a topic, but this theme week, uh, uh, being an adult online, was just really great because, it, I mean, like a bunch of people had very personal but also like directly actionable and stories. There yeah. was those those were some of the surprising pitches we got. Yeah. I mean, you know, there we haven't published everything yet by the time this will go up. I think we still have a couple of stories in the bag uh, when the when this episode airs. But I mean, like we we've got a, a good mix of like servicey kind of things like, you know, how to kind of protect yourself and, you know, navigate the dangerous world of the internet. But we've also got like good things uh, like Dan Cooper's piece about his decision not to put photos of his child online. We've got uh, Nicole Lee's piece about learning, you know, how to like step her fashion game up and like move away from the t-shirt and oh my gosh. jeans of college. That resonated with me. I, I mean, me too. Like, it's a thing like you, you, I know like clearly I'm, you know, a little bit of a dandy at this point, I guess mm. would be a way to put it. <laughs> um, you are on camera formal right now. Yeah, uh, but like, Growing up, like, when I was in high school, I wore literally nothing but black T-shirts and jeans. Like, it was just, like, Nine Inch Nails T-shirts. Terrence, that's so much better than what (laughs) I wore in high school. (laughs) I feel like goth Terrence needs to make um, a comeback for an episode. Or two. I don't know that I can pull it off. I'm, A, I'm fairly certain I don't have jeans baggy enough for that anymore, and I'm not going out and buying any. Oh, I mean, you gotta gotta keep the, you gotta update the style. I mean, you know. And I definitely don't have any band T-shirts left in my repertoire. I might have some beer T-shirts. Do those can, work? I'm sure I can find you a subscription box. <laughs> of just band will. T-shirts? Yes. <laughs> I mean, if I could dig up my T-shirt from the first Family Values tour and wear it on the air, I would 100% do that. <laughs> just note, corn and Rammstein, guys. Note to self. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think there's a photo of me in that shirt on the internet somewhere. We will find it. I think it might be on the site. <laughs> but no, the uh, the the dressing like an adult one. I, you know, I recently I did recently look through 
like I wanted to know I know some people who are like on the uh, uh, Blue Apron train mm-hmm. they love it um, they, they, spon- they sponsor a lot of podcasts not hashtag not a sponsor <laughs> um, but I really I really wanted to know if if those uh, fashion boxes like really could take you where you wanted to go and it's it is co- it's actually complicated like there's a lot of options out there and also like everyone's like fashion is just such an individual thing I'm afraid yeah. of putting my money there I feel like I could easily do a lot of damage well if it's I, designed it. it's designed yeah. to be most of them are designed to be like the Netflix DVD subscription where you just have they send you all three DVDs and you just have them forever they, yeah they get like two thousand dollars out of you I I managed to avoid um, really subscribing to any of those boxes yeah. um, not that I wasn't tempted by them, but I did uh, have a Frank and Oak subscription. And oh, I really? use that term loosely because yeah, yeah. it's not really a proper subscription. But basically, like once a month previously, they've changed their model now. I don't really know how it works. Also, they've changed the cut of all of their clothes, and I can't fit in any of them anymore. But <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Terrible. They also put spandex in everything now, which is just like... Yeah, so I'm not a fan. that's man, as a you know this piece mentions Uniqlo and as like the world's largest Uniqlo fanboy because um, it's great. Oh, it's amazing. It's also it's I uh, I know somebody who's who uh, a writer from from Racked and and uh, she always said that Uniqlo is the place where where men go to get it done <laughs> because they just don't have clothes. They <laughs> shop in these like ridiculous cycles where they just won't buy clothes. Totally respectable. Yeah. Totally respectable. You just go into Uniqlo and you're like, yo, I'm about to drop six hundred dollars. <laughs> let's let's obtain. But they do put they do put stretchy material in a lot of their stuff now. They do. Which is not great for me. Listen, if I had if I was yeah. If I was a slim, tall man, oh mm. my gosh, it'd be so great. Not reality. <laughs> Wait, are, isn't it like meteor people who would need the stretch? No, 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 no. You has because you want to you want the stretch so like the clothes will cling to your slim, slender figure. Yeah, so that you can buy them slim, but you can still move around in them a little bit yeah. without so much restriction. Um, I'll say this: I I'm sure material science has improved somewhat over the past couple of years, but I owned one. That's fair. I've owned one pair of stretch jeans in my life, um, and you could only wear them once. Yeah. Because oh, after, yeah, f- yeah. after one day of wear, they were insanely... It looked Just, like I was wearing a diaper under my <laughs> yes. jeans. I was like, well, these have to go back in the dryer on high so that I can shrink yep. them. Um, so that that's not true of the ones I'm wearing. Um, I don't want to get us off topic. Just... <laughs> I was complaining to these, speaking of dressing like an adult <laughs> and what the internet has taught me, um, I was complaining to these guys before we started filming that um, I forgot when I put on these pants today and, and brought them to the gym that it was my first time wearing them since I put them in the dryer. So you guys watching on YouTube are lucky that you're seeing me um, <laughs> buttoned up fully over here. Um, I can dress like a grown-up. Yeah. Cheers. I've got everything under control, including <laughs> my fly. Um, man. So, yeah, I, there's just so much good stuff on the site this week. Definitely, please go read it. We'll leave all of the links in the, mm-hmm. you know, the description. The yep. Spot. Show notes. Let's um, get, get that in there. Yeah. And definitely need to give a shout out to Eric Sagan, who did all the art for this week. And the art is amazing. It is so good. I love it so much. Um, so, yeah, just, just relish in the art. Just, like, roll around in it for a little while. Print roll it out. Roll around in the print, art. 
print out copies of the articles, put them on the floor, and then roll around in them. Just yes. like, sh- yes. Sh- get down on there. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys think about this, uh, this, this story um, that Chris did? I don't, I don't know how to drive it. I may never have to learn. Um, I relate to that, that was, pretty strongly. Yeah, I thought that was Chris really I fascinating. Envy, I envy her. Chris and I have some things in common. We both grew up in Brooklyn. And um, I actually do have a license, but I haven't driven since I got my license nearly 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you might as well as not have I'm a effectively license. a non-driver. And, I, and like, I would not trust you behind the wheel of a car, just I to wouldn't be trust clear. You. <laughs> um, no, there's a reason I don't drive the um, CES clown car van oh, yeah. every year. So... I, John Turi is the one who normally drives the CES van every year. Mm. I only discovered last year that he had like not driven in years before going to CES, and I was like, <gasps> "What?" Like, no. He's like, "I lives in Brooklyn. You don't need to drive, really. He doesn't own a car." And so we dragged him out to the desert in Las Vegas and put him behind the wheel Turi's of a giant. Also a native New Yorker. Yeah, he is not a native New Yorker. He is a New Yorker at heart, but he's not a native New Yorker. He's not born here. I know. Do you feel? Do you feel lied to? Yes. <laughs> you can confront him later. Okay. I mean, he is. I. I. As. As a very judgmental native New Yorker, he's one of the few people I will say is a New Yorker, despite the fact that he was not born here. He. He is New York through and through, like for real. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't been here long enough, but I would believe it. I mean, he's. Turi's been here, I think, for twenty. 20 plus years. Whoa. He's been here since the mid 80s, at least. He must have a great apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever seen photos of it, but it is a very nice apartment. Fair. And he has a, 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 a stunning vinyl collection. Mm. I can see that. So, yeah, I mean, this, this, I just recently spent a bunch of time in like rural Tennessee, and it's really interesting because everybody kind of complains about New York City drivers. Um, and, in my experience, like New York City drivers, while they may like seem like just anybody who's new to the city, they may seem like crazy people. They are on like if you drive in New York, you're on high alert all the time and you're probably not going like more than like 30 miles an hour. So it seems really hectic and the traffic is really intense. But, you know, everybody is looking out for like a completely random pedestrian who's mm-hmm. like decided they want to walk through traffic for no reason. In Tennessee, though especially like in the outskirts of Nashville, um, the design of the highway system and of the roadway system that leads off the highways is really very puzzling. And uh, from, you know, talking with friends and talking with family who are down there, like the, the number of accidents that happen is actually really intense. Like mm-hmm. you can be driving with someone and they can point out like where like a five car pileup happened like right over here because the city has never updated like a, an off ramp um, to to accommodate like really high speeds. Yeah, you know, people will come around it at really high speeds, and and they're just not designed for that. So like while I was missing New York, like New York is great and all, but in terms of uh, just never having to drive, like oh my gosh, the the highway situation there is so bad. And if we could like some some automated vehicles, like there's all kinds of different tiers that they talk about now in terms of uh, like 
like if you're a New Yorker and you want to go to Jersey, like just getting into the car, like the the self-driving car just on the highway and then finding some other kind of solution after mm-hmm. after you make it off the highway. I'll tell you what, man. Like in Nashville, that would be incredible. Oh, I mean, so I'm, many lives would be saved. So you're saying you trust machines more than the good people of Tennessee. Oh my Yes. <laughs> Hands down, money okay. on it, like run for office on that. Like yeah, absolutely. I, I'm like I'm I would I'm lining up to buy the first automated car. Like yeah. I've for so many reasons, for so so many reasons. Yes. Um just in general I hate driving. Um but also this is a th- That's the thing. I actually love driving, but I am terrified by other people. Well, that's the thing is I hate driving in New York. I should yeah. be uh, That's really not clear very fun. Or yes. Jersey. <laughs> Jersey Jersey is just as bad if not worse yes. under certain circumstances depending. Um you know, I do a lot of road trips with my wife and stuff for vacation just cuz it's see, cheap great. and stuff and it's a great way to see a bunch of places. And that I'm usually okay with. Like, yep. I'm fine, like, long stretches when you're, like, not worried about getting to a place totally. on time. That's what, what fine. What if you could also not actually drive, well, but, just, was, but just ride? Well, so, like, <laughs> uh, we were down. We actually went to Nashville not last year. I think the year before. Uh, but I'm we so also glad did, you survived. Yeah. But we also did uh, a couple of days on the Bourbon Trail. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, nice. we got... Highly recommend that for anyone, by the oh, way. Oh, my it's God. So it's so good. It's the best. But, I mean, we got... We got three places under our belt in two days. Hmm. Well, I had to drive. You can you cannot do more no. than two distilleries in a day and drive. Pro really. tip: you get smashed, <laughs> like you get absolutely smashed. <laughs> we you walk, don't have to, but you will. you probably <laughs> like I, we walked out of the second place and we're like, we should probably sit in the car for a little while, just like take a breather. Yeah. It's really, I, I mean, it's such a fun time, but yeah, you I mean you can't just like sip on like a hundred different whiskeys. And, no. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we're at a point where you can live in every part of the country and not be a driver, but I think the stigma of not being a driver is maybe starting to go away. Mm-hmm. I don't think it I don't think um being an adult necessarily means having a license to the no. extent it did totally. in our parents' generation. Yeah. No, not at all. And I mean, I I live in New York, but I live on Staten Island, which yeah. is very car heavy. You have to drive. Um we also have an absurd amount of cars. I think like Last check, it like was like you have an absurd. I don't of cars? have an absurd amount of cars. You've just got like, like thirteen cars. <laughs> I have a car, yeah. <laughs> but I think the the uh, last study said something like the average house on Staten Island, average household has two and a half cars. Like it's like they're like children sense. at this point. Yeah. Um, so there's cars everywhere. Traffic is atrocious, um, and it's all of the worst parts of New York drivers, basically, yeah. like that, like real aggressiveness mm-hmm. and all of that with a really bizarre sort of sense of entitlement and that lack of attention that you get out in, you know, oh, yeah. the other place. million percent. Because it's yes. not as much of a pedestrian place. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's an atrocious place to drive. Um, I have atrocious road rage because of it. Um, it does, it is a circular thing like that. But we also have, uh, a, our public transportation system on Staten Island is not very good. Really? Um, so the rest of New York City, serviced by trains, you're great, you're solid, no matter where you want to go, pretty yeah. much. Um, What's crazy from an infrastructure standpoint is the fact that you cannot bike over the Verrazano Bridge, this huge, famous Wait, bridge really? connecting oh. Brooklyn to Staten Island. There's, There's no bike path. Let's not is talk, there no pedestrian path either? Nope. No. Let's not wow. talk about the Verrazano Bridge. That will take us down a long, He's a getting red with anger. Look at this guy. Well, it's, um, I, I, Robert I, Moses is a 
is the worst thing that ever happened to New York City, and specifically Staten Island. He's pointing. Look at that. I He's pointing. <laughs> I love the Verrazano Bridge. It's a very beautiful bridge. Robert Moses destroyed it. There should have been a train. There should have been bike paths. There should have been pedestrians. But Robert Moses loves cars too much. He's mad. I He's am mad. mad. I, I want a train into Brooklyn. Yeah, it's really dumb that there's not a train over that bridge in Brooklyn. <laughs> did you guys go to the Hyperloop like demo thing? That was, I'm like, glad last you year? did, yes. but not us personally. Okay. I just think it's so funny because that is such a high flying goal and it's so sci fi and it's so cool. But like, if you live in New York though, like, the only cool technology based like infrastructure hacks that we have are like definitely going to be self driving cars. Yeah. Like, we can't even get the L train to work. No. <laughs> um, before we disappear down this rabbit hole anymore of me yelling at Infrastructure, back, guys. Yeah, infrastructure and public transit. Public transportation. The people want to know. I could do an entire hour and a half of just me yelling about public transportation. Um. <laughs> I feel like, what's the opposite of a safe word, a trigger word? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Verrazano Bridge, Bikes, and Robert Moses. Like, yeah, we're, like, venturing towards you. I'm walking yeah. here. Robert, Robert Moses is definitely a... Last thing I'll say about Robert <laughs> Moses before we move on. <laughs> there, is, there is a Mount Moses on Staten Island, which is literally the, a pile of rubble left over from building the Staten Island Expressway that they dumped in the middle of the woods. Like, it's like... That sounds cool. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's... Take an, photos of that. It's not like... Uh, it's not an, an honor that they named it after him. It's like... No. They, they call <laughs> it after him because it's like... You're a piece of garbage who left a bunch of garbage on our island. Thanks. Thank you. Like, it's literally just like piles of rebar and concrete. <laughs> I will leave it at that. Okay. Um, but we should kind of dig into, I think, um, some of our own experiences, kind of learning to be an adult and act like an adult and do all of these things. Um, I don't know about you guys. Not in a huge rush to grow up for most of my life. And kind of eventually coming around to the fact that I have to be like a functional adult and stop like picking fights with people on the internet and right. dress like a human when I leave my house and maybe learn to be self-sufficient. Well, it's interesting. The, the impetus to, I mean, like, how do I even describe this? The, the, I was freelancing and consulting for a while and I needed to approach my clients with like a level of professionalism is not the right word. It's like have your shit togetherism. Yeah. You know, like know exactly what is gonna happen, like how to produce on time, like what the package is gonna contain, and like how you bill for it and like billing for it and like the contract and that sort of thing. Uh uh those are things that I actually like completely turned over control to like internet services for. Um there's like from the contract, like I sourced the contract from a bunch of different places and kind of like smushed a bunch of them together just in terms of uh, uh, just because I mean, when I started, I was like, how do you agree to transact things? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the, I, I think, sort of interesting things. Um, I freelanced for a while, too. And before the Internet, how did you find out how to do this stuff? I, have, I don't know. Like, I remember very distinctly. I literally don't. <laughs> the first time somebody asked me to invoice them, and I was sitting You're in like, my basement how? apartment, yeah. like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> exactly. Like, what even is that? And the funny thing is, is that uh, I used uh, FreshBooks, also another 
frequent podcast sponsor. Yeah. Hashtag not sponsored again. Um, I used FreshBooks, and FreshBooks like is actually very cool. But a lot of places have uh, they just can't accept it because they have like a uh, an autoresponder or some kind of like FreshBooks will send out an email with an invoice in it, and like if it doesn't land in a human being's inbox, it like isn't going to work. Yeah. So like tried and true, like I just found a bunch of like literally within Google Docs, you can search for other docs and like public resources and I just was like invoice template <laughs> and actually there are a bunch of them they're not the prettiest thing in the world but they have produced every single time and it's crazy that that's just like a resource that's like A baked into Google Docs B freely available and when you combine that with just like a bunch of people kind of donating their contracts like yeah I didn't I wasn't able to cross that knowledge gap alone in terms of like how do you go from zero yeah. like what is an invoice when do you send it what is the contract? What should be in it? What information that, needs to be in there? That was just very manual Google searching. Mm-hmm. But in, once I knew what was required, like finding out, like putting the pieces together to put that to like make that happen was actually really straightforward. Your Google searches, your how-to Google searches are less embarrassing than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. How do I money? <laughs> How do I money? <laughs> Still, I mean, fr- frankly, like, still, I feel like it could be, it could be even better. Yeah, and I, I think that's, uh, like, a, a good piece of advice, too, though, is to look in some of these places that might not seem as obvious. Like, I think people forget that there are templates in Google Docs that oh, you yeah. can go search through and use. Also, I mean, Microsoft Word. Like, it's so crazy. It sounds like the most 1995 thing to mention on a technology podcast in 2017, but, like, you know. Word is actually like kind of expensive, and like yeah. for that you get like every kind of t- like template you could possibly imagine. It is a very useful, very comprehensive program. Resumes, I mean, invoices, just everything. Yeah, and, and you know, I used FreshBooks too for a while when I was freelancing, and it is very pretty. It's very self-contained and all of, all of that. Um, but I think there's something to be said for going and looking at those templates and pulling it all together yourself and actually like getting into like sort of the nitty gritty details of how it works as opposed it's to true. just handing over the keys. I think handing over the keys to somebody to just do it for you once you understand the basics of how it works is fine. Yeah. Um, but actually understanding some of that like inner working and figuring out how it works for yourself is useful. I mean, that's so like FreshBooks falls into a really uncanny valley of things where like uh, I would say tons of internet services actually fall into this category. Where like, if I remember correctly, FreshBooks is ten bucks a month. I don't remember. It was free when I was using it, or at least for what I was using the, it for. I didn't have enough billing, probably. That's the that is the thing though. Is that like so many of these services that will kind of help you offload some of the responsibility that you would kind of like either do personally, mm-hmm. like in terms of like having your own filing cabinet and just literally having files in a printer or having an accountant, you know, something like that. There's really like a disconnect between like how much utility, like in order to get $10 a month out of FreshBooks, you'd have to be like slinging invoices yeah. constantly. And if you are, it is actually very cool because if you can get that to work, it will organize everything for you and you like your taxes will be significantly easier. Yeah. But, you know, if you're doing... A f- like a couple of things a week, like you could probably buy a printer. Yeah, <laughs> like if, if if you're a freelance writer who like go to IKEA, <laughs> go to the container store, buy a filing cabinet, 
just, just take just, care of it. And also, they still make printers. Yeah, they, they, those it's things crazy. exist. <laughs> I don't own one anymore, but I know they exist. They're out there somewhere. You can actually buy printers at Apple stores still. Ooh, there you go, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we touched on this before, Dana. You've been also kind of learning how to navigate things and become you know, a little bit more self-sufficient with the aid of the internet. Yeah. So um, we've actually discussed it a little bit before yeah. on the podcast, which right. is your, your deci- decision. Yeah, I can't speak today. Um, decision to learn to cook, which I'm 100% behind, by the way. So it started just as me um, realizing one weekend that um, cooking, and I started with a recipe that I had cooked many times, just not in years, um, remembering that cooking could be relaxing and fun, and it was a good way to um, fill up and improve what had been sort of a dreary Sunday for me. I think mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I wasn't in a great mood that day, but I was in a much better mood um, after that. And there's a whole other discussion in terms of, this isn't tech-related, but in terms of how to be an adult, in terms of how to manage and regulate your own happiness yeah. and figuring out what works. But well, this you, worked for me. You've got to unplug and do something that's not staring at Twitter all day. I think so, yeah. Um, but so it became me just generally saying, I want to get more comfortable in the kitchen, turned into um, a pledge to try one new recipe a week. And social media has helped me stay accountable because I've, I've posted so many weeks in a row that I feel like I need to keep <laughs> at it. I mean, I watch. I know last week you made mustard and... What scones? Cheddar mustard scones. Which I missed out on, which I'm very sad about. I'll make more. Um, The problem was I made a batch of eight and then let my family eat half of them before coming to the office, which was probably not the best idea. I tried one. How dare you let your family enjoy the fruits of your labor, Dana? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's been... It's been an, an adventure, and it's it's been fun. Um, but I, I have had to make some embarrassing Google searches, among other things. I've also had to buy some gear. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, at one point I did Google, how do you separate an egg yolk? Um, I will so say it's not an intuitive thing. <laughs> I watched a video on YouTube, but I was so glad that I didn't have to um, ask a real person. Yeah. I mean, but see, that's like one of those like weird skills that if you haven't done it before it's not necessarily immediately intuitive and there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it Mm -hmm. do you do the shell method no i just got my hand dirty i just um, you did the finger method yeah Yeah. which is also acceptable but how great is it that you can just have uh a relatively anonymous search on youtube for just like how do i just do this it's so great you don't have to like yeah for me that would be like calling my my dad who loves to cook and i would be like how do you separate an egg? And he's like, <laughs> you can't ever call here again. Like, <laughs> um, there, There's been some simple stuff that I think is widely known to people who cook, but it's been news to me. For instance, one of the few cooking failures I've had so far were these cookies that ended up undercooked. I, I, did, I did the dough correctly, but just I learned that if you have an old oven like mine, the temperature in the oven might not match what the knob says. Yeah. And everyone else was like, oh, yeah, that happens with old ovens. You can buy an oven thermometer. I'm like, that's a thing. Yep. Um, so it's been a learning process. Mm. Oh man, but kitchen gear is cool. So it's I want to, awesome. yeah, and I want to make a shout out to um, Sweet Home, and not just because we um, syndicate some of their reviews, but um, they do a really good job with um, home and kitchen gear. And it's not stuff that Engadget itself reviews, but they haven't steered me wrong so far. So in terms what, of what gear have you had to go out and buy? Oh gosh, um, I bought a Dutch oven. A cooling rack, um, a measuring cup for liquids. Okay. 
Um, you were, you had a really understocked kitchen, huh? Yeah, and I also had some stuff that was in my drawer collecting dust, and I was like, what does this do? Um, <laughs> Did you then have to take a photo of it and tweet it to ask people what it was? No. <laughs> you weren't um, getting that bad? Okay, do you want to hear about my most embarrassing I do. Google that is search? totally. I 100% percent This do. was like a trick question, because I know how to use a can opener. <laughs> you like where this is going. Continue. <laughs> I'm already super excited about this. Well, just it, it's it's I'm, I'm overselling the story, okay. except that it was <laughs> the, the can opener was broken. And it took me a minute or two or five to realize that the can opener was broken and missing a crucial piece. <laughs> you were just sitting there going, "Why isn't this working?" So I did Google how to use a can opener. It wasn't because I didn't know, but just because I was starting to question myself, and then finally <laughs> yes. realized, "Yes, you're gaslighting." Yourself. Realized <laughs> this is fucked up. I have a, a, a useless can opener. Uh. Um, but, like, for real, though, why are can openers always broken? I don't know. I've had the same can opener for, like, 15 years. I mean, okay. So if you have, like, a 1920s, <laughs> like, all steel can Nope. Opener. This is a piece of crap plastic KitchenAid I bought when I moved into my first apartment. I've never had a can opener that wasn't broken. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, like... Uh, you you guys, hit me up on Twitter. Like, if you're if you're out there listening and you have two can openers in your drawer where you spin the thing and nothing is actually mechanically connected to anything, I want to hear from you. <laughs> Please send us a picture of your useless can opener that you still have for no reason. <laughs> but you don't see this in my Instagram photos. You see the finished product. You don't see me having sliced open my thumb trying to open a can of um, stewed tomatoes. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that just sounds are, gory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the things you don't need to share, but we all know that you, you're cutting yourself and burning yourself, for sure. Yeah. Cooking. I mean, you just got, a messy thing. This is, this is not tech-related, but you got to enjoy Tales from Me last week where I burned myself multiple times during the course of the day while making beer. Terrence was working from home and working on his beer at the same time, which, what could go wrong? Lots of things. I am not a bright person. Did, you, did, any, <laughs> did any beer come out of it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sitting at home in the keg. Boom, then you, that's, what's, that's the sacrifice you make. I did also spray my entire face and torso with scalding hot water. Yeah. Which was required that I walk away for a little while and yep. take a breather because I was in quite a bit of pain. <laughs> but that is not tech-related. That's just me being dumb. Oh, man. But I will say it's so nice to be able to just buy food <laughs> just, just to eat it. It's great. You like it. <laughs> the New York City way forever. So wait, Data, have you thought about using any of these like subscription service things like Blue Apron or I anything? I thought of it, and I'm glad that I didn't. I yeah. think I feel more satisfaction in having um, taught myself how to cook. Also, now that I've read a little more on the um, economics of Blue Apron, I'm a little turned off to it, just in totally. terms of what the cost per meal comes out to. Oh yeah, it's Whereas ridiculous. Whereas I can cook up a large batch of food, either in my casserole dish or my slow cooker, and have enough food to feed me and my friends or family, and then still have leftovers. Yeah. I just, I, the cost per meal thing really turned me off. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, the that totally, like, from the cost per meal, it's ridiculous. But one of the things that they at least include in their marketing is that it teaches you how to cook. Do you guys think that that's, like, realistic? Or is, like, because I've never been a part of one of these subscription things, so I would imagine that if everything comes, if everything comes, like, diced and in a bag and you just kind of combine it? Well, it doesn't it, seem very educational. It doesn't come diced and in a bag, I don't think. I think it's, you get like the whole proper ingredients. Like you That's have to good. do the prep, but mm -hmm. everything's pre-measured. Okay. Um, 
what I'll say having I haven't used the service, but I've looked at their recipes because you can find most of the recipes just on their website yeah. um, and browse them. The thing I'll say is that the reason I don't think it's really an effective way of learning to cook is that they're straight recipes that don't really explain anything. Gotcha. It is like a IKEA build of materials. Yeah. So like if you already <laughs> have the basic skills, then you're probably fine. But this isn't. You know, Blue Apron isn't going to teach you the finer points of like searing a steak without, you know, leaving the interior raw. How great would that be, though? If someone mean, comes over to your house and just they're like, Listen. I am super curious about certain food gadgets. Like, I'm not at the point where I would use a sous vide to cook perfectly cooked steak, but I, I think I'll get there at some point. And I want to try out something. I did like do that. that for the first time fairly recently. It was delicious. I still never had it. I, it was delicious. I feel a little bit bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a point of pride that I didn't need a sous vide cooker to yeah. make a perfect steak. I was like, I know how to cook a steak. I'm handy in the kitchen. I don't need this shit. I could never do that. Um, That's impossible. But I got a really nice, my parents bought me like a really nice like dry aged steak for Christmas and it was like super thick and I was like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare to get right. And I was like, I just don't feel like fighting with it. I have a sous vide. I can throw it in a thing, make sure it's perfectly medium rare, and when it's dinner time, sear it, and I'm just going to do it. Yeah, and I, I walked away and went. I'm I never going to. I'm never going to do this. Never do that. I'm always going to. My embarrassing thing, though, is that if I use that, I'm going to have to Google how do you vacuum seal a bag. So, I was going to ask. I was going to ask about that. <laughs> See, because like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, and this is this is. This is actually a thing Nicole that I Nicole Lee reviewed to... a sous vide for us, and she kind of made that step sound really easy. And I, I read that and was like, oh, I don't know how to vacuum seal a bag. So I had to Google that as well. But here's why, is because when I got the sous vide, I actually have Nicole's review unit. That's what's sitting in my kitchen mm. Oh, interesting. Um, I see. Because I was doing the Cooking with Watson series for a while before it just became way too much. That, that, that got real out of hand real quick, and it was just not a thing we could continue, unfortunately. I would really love to bring it back at some what point. What is that? I don't know what that is. So Watson, the IBM yes. supercomputer, yes. wrote a cookbook, basically. Oh. Um, they partnered with, I forget the chef's names, two chefs from the International Culinary, Culinary Institute and somebody else, and basically they... Watson's, Gave the okay on... <laughs> yeah, Watson spit out, like, a general idea of a recipe, and then the two chefs kind of tweaked it to make sure it made sense, like, really ironed out the fine details of, like, measurements and, like, did some uh, interpretation on things. I'm upset that, like, machine learning platform, like, knows yeah. way more about cooking than I do. So they, they, <laughs> they sent me this book uh, to the office, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cook my way through this book. I'm yeah. just going to grab it start with page one and start cooking everything in it. Um, That worked for about two months because all of the recipes in it, like there's some relatively simple ones, but most of them were like, I had, they, I had to go to the international culinary, uh, whatever. And they like took me in and like taught me things. Mm -hmm. They were like, so this is how you like create um, food spheres. And this is it would. This is how you create olive oil powder. Didn't know that was a thing. Showed me the proper way to use like gelatin stuff. It was every week. I was spending minimum <laughs> three to six hours like prepping and cooking this one dish, 
and then would spend another hour to two hours photographing said dish. And then it was probably about an hour or two of writing to go on top of that. And it was like, oh, I'm spending like 12 hours a week on this one story. And honestly, some of this stuff was not very good. I'm deeply against <laughs> this. I'm deeply against this. Yeah. So but Dana, I was going to, I was going <laughs> to ask though, like where did you turn for recipes? Like, I think it's such a hard thing to like, you need, I think in daily life, like people need to like vet recipes. No? Um, so it's it's been a combination. Um, the crowdsourcing from friends, family, and coworkers, and totally. coworkers who are my friends, um, has been um, really fun um, because um, it just is. I can share the results. Terrence has given me a couple recipes, um, and yeah, so I've enjoyed that. But I've also joined newsletters of places like oh, um, God, Martha Stewart, yeah, and. Um, you know, cooking light food and wine, and then I. I never until this serious moment. Serious eats. Curious. Like conceptualize a recipe newsletter. But that sounds I w- so. I was awesome. just gonna ask. I was like, that I didn't know that was so a thing. Cool. Oh, and I mean that that, and then I'm also I was already active on Pinterest, but now food is taking up a lot more of my Pinterest. Before it was just home fantasy home stuff, um, and then Pinterest is really good at gleaning what you. Oh yeah. Like and, and yeah. In my case, it's like oh. You like cheese and carbs. <laughs> have some more cheese and carbs with that your sounds carbs. Like, see, this is the missing piece. I have never really known what to use Pinterest for, for personally. Yeah. Cheese and carbs, though. Oh, and, and I, mean, I am on board. <laughs> now I have multiple recipe boards. It, it was unwieldy for just one, so now I have baking, I have entrees and appetizers. So that was my big question for you, is how do you kind of track and organize these things? Because it's... it's only so good to get the recipes from your friends and family, make them, and then forget them. Like, you've got to have a way to organize that and build a repertoire. I have a few. So I have Pinterest, but I also um, I have an old-fashioned wooden recipe box in my kitchen with index cards. And I'm probably less, when I want to figure out what's for dinner, I'm probably more likely to turn to Pinterest and whatever I've stored on either there or in my Chrome bookmarks. Mm-hmm. They're kind of all over the place, but I do have some things written on um index cards um that was satisfying we actually so this is backtracking a little bit but one of our adult week stories this week was about um per the joy of purging specifically Mm -hmm. digital purging i have been doing some real life purging where people i had just torn out recipes from magazines and people had sometimes scrawled them on paper for me and it was just sitting in a drawer and i wasn't touching any of it so my hope was that transcribing all of it on neater index cards and putting them in one place would make it a little easier for me yeah i actually i was not about that story i liked all the other stories it's not that i didn't <laughs> like the story i'm just like so pro hoarding i think <laughs> are you it, a hoarder oh not in real not in real life but in terms of digital stuff like you just never get rid of anything it's not that well no then the 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 i think there's a couple different reasons about i just philosophically was so uh it feels like I'm like confronting the story. I think the story <laughs> was great, and you guys should absolutely read it. But from a from a like lifestyle standpoint, I completely don't believe in this, and I think for a couple different reasons. The first reason is is that like for if you're having, I just fundamentally believe that like if you're having problems with like a lot of digital stuff, you gotta spend that time organizing it. And I know that some people just that's just like they're just not interested. In yeah. That. And for them, I would say like you should probably just purge it. Yeah. But at the same time. Like, I mean, the 
level of data integrity that I have is, I think, very cool. Like, there's no photos that get deleted. There's no screenshots that get deleted. There's no videos that get deleted. I have basically every if this then that statement. Like, every <laughs> time I leave and come into Brooklyn, there's a line in a spreadsheet that gets logged. <laughs> like, it's all logged and it's all organized. And, like, I think there is a way to do it. Well, oh. I think that's that's. <laughs> I'm all about the purging, the digital purging. I'm 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 like a weird happy medium between the two of you. Um, but I mean, I David think that's like, no. I think that's <laughs> sort of a thing you have to come to confront, though, right? Is yes. at some point you have to say to yourself, "What kind of person am I?" And I think that's, you know, the the, the piece about digital purging. I think is largely about Dan, Dan Cooper wrote that as well about kind of confronting the fact that you know what. I don't really need any of this. Right. It's horribly disorganized. I'm, I'm not the guy who's going to tag stuff, put it in folders, keep it organized mm. properly. Oh yeah. And I mean, coming back to tag. Nicole's story about how she's been using services like Stitch Fix, you could also use something like Trunk Club. I think one of my other reasons for not using them is that I would just be accumulating stuff, more stuff. Yeah. When I'm trying to do in real life, not just my digital life, but my physical life, the opposite. Yeah. See, I'm I'm at a place where I'm constantly trying to get rid of some stuff just so I can bring other stuff in. Oh, yeah. I, I have like a really like solid like one in one out policy. That's good. I think that's that is an adult way of thinking about yeah. stuff. But I also have a lot of crap, like a lot like yeah. I'm not a I am not a minimalist. I'm not a guy who moves with a garbage bag. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Right now, I'm on the very low like number of things front. Um, and yeah, those subscription services are like designed to just fill your yeah. house with crap. But digitally, I want you can just buy. I want to hear about your system, though. Well, because I think this is this is kind of the interesting like adulting part of it. Sure, it's like sure. learning to organize all of that. So shit. first and foremost, I think the most important thing is to get a really good handle on the influx of things. So like you've got a couple of places where chaos is going to happen and that's like your downloads folder and your desktop and for that I use like one of the reasons why I just like am so viciously like a Mac user viciously yeah viciously a Mac user that was both English and like cogent (laughs) what is is a vicious Mac user um, well I would uh, (laughs) somebody like if you're like you can either accept this job and and use a uh, Windows PC or you can like be out in the street I'd be like I don't know the street's fine it's not that bad <laughs> park but bench no. looks cozy <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but no I mean one of the reasons is is that like there are these utilities one of which is a utility called Hazel and Hazel if you can be in love with software I'm in love with Hazel so all it is is a rule based like movement system so okay. like so you can set up nested rules for your downloads folder so like if it is a spreadsheet and it is older than a week old and it's prefixed with the word Facebook, sort it into sorted downloads slash spreadsheets slash Facebook exports, which is like a inside look at like what I do uh, <laughs> for, uh, for work. But like once you have that under control, like once you have the bulk of the rules set up for your downloads folder and your desktop, it becomes so much easier to manage everything else because you're not kind of like quagmired in a bunch of digital stuff. And then, like outside of that, uh, one of the biggest challenges that I think that isn't solved yet is like media storage as well, like for pictures and video. 
And the best I've ever been able to do is just Apple Photos. And How just, much storage from them are you willing to pay for? I pay for two terabytes. Okay. <laughs> but I have every single image and video that I've and screenshot that I've ever taken since 2002. Or I'm sorry, 2012. So how easy is it though to find what you're looking for in that massive collection? Oh my god. Well, as if it's organized, it's easier than you'd think, but like that is a problem that has yet to be solved. Like for my image library, the like for the longest time one terabyte was the most you could actually buy on Apple Photos. And so I had to actually offload everything from high school and college onto Blu-rays. Uh, and like yeah, so I mean like the reten like what is the retention mechanism or the recall mechanism for a Blu-ray? Like I would have to travel a thousand miles <laughs> to where my Blu-rays are stored, ha- get a Blu-ray drive and then re- and then like restore it. But, you know, the if we can get like personal here if we can go oh, deep yes. on the psychological aspect of this. I think one of the things that uh, spurred on this behavior was um, the fact that I grew up right in a moment where cameras were garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, there are no childhood pictures of me because, like, film got really expensive right right after I was born. And then, like, digital cameras were, like, the absolute worst. Like, it's truly god-awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, right up until, like, I went for college. So, like... I don't exist, but, <laughs> but, I mean, if you ask now, Dan Cooper, that's not a bad thing. Do now, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But this is, you know, this is why I do social. Yeah, yeah. Ego. I, I, I admire and envy your dedication to keeping things organized. I wish that I had the the tenacity to keep that sort of level of organization. The maintenance part of things like that is always what kind of uh, yeah. drives me nuts. Well, I mean, like. It's hard. Like, when you realize that you have made a rule and an information architecture error uh, where, like, you're like, okay, well, I have all these things. They're stored in a particular hierarchy, and now that hierarchy is wrong or doesn't match the hierarchy (laughs) I want going forward. You're like, what do you do? Do you, like, spend two, three weekends, like, updating and renaming a bunch of files or, like, writing scripts to do that for you? Like, that's when – that's – that's when it gets to be like shit. Yeah. Am, I, am I dedicated to this but cause, I, or should I throw my computer in the garbage can? You kind of enjoy can? that stuff. I personally do, but there have also been times where I'm like, what if I just like walked away from this thing? I never end up doing it, but there are some times where I'm like, I could slide this like computer the in the trash. I feel like the fact that you were an econ major explains a lot about you That's and your fair. tendencies <laughs> and interests. Yeah. I think I think it does too. Guys, there's a taxonomy, <laughs> and it lives in a, fo- a folder called sorted downloads. <laughs> I don't know. I don't uh, know if that's adult. Maybe that's maybe that's just a psychosis. Well, I mean, it's it's learning to get your life under control, whatever that means. Whether that's learning to delete all of the stuff or learning yeah. to keep it organized so that it's actually useful. Because I mean, there's there's that danger of becoming a hoarder. Like, and I don't mean that necessarily as a person who's going to have dead cats everywhere. Under yeah, the yeah, couch. yeah, no, totally, totally, like, totally. But, I guess you've never watched Hoarders. It gets bad. Okay. It gets worse than Dana. We have we have another homework assignment for you. Oh yeah. We have we we have a homework assi- Dana had a homework assignment last night, which we're going to discuss later. Yeah. But we have another one for you, which is watch a couple of episode of, episodes of Hoarders. 
because that is an entire pop culture thing you have missed out on. That's true. And you need to understand it. Okay. You don't need to watch the show. You don't need to watch every episode. Just I'm like, sure there's some YouTube clips that would really like blow your yeah. mind. Because um, it's not like my it's not like my parents. My parents have too many things because they've moved houses and had yeah. three kids. Like they have too many things, and they have like you know they're in storage. They're like relatively under control, but like there's too much stuff. Yeah, and they like know that. But this is a different thing. This is a different this thing. This is a different thing. Yeah. My parents are the same way. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's too much stuff. We have like a, we basically have like a small computer museum in the basement at this point. Oh my God, dude. Yes. Which is great. But like, it's also like kind of a disorganized mess. Yep. But there's also not dead animals hiding anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. There's a limit. Yeah. There's a limit. Dead animals is real. Yeah. Trash. Dead animals. Dead animals in the trash. It's a whole, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing. I don't think I'd feel very relaxed watching yeah. this. You wouldn't. It's <laughs> no. horrifying. No, it's uh it's a it's a particular type of like cringe TV who are like Yeah. I don't know. I could I could watch something else, but I also can't <laughs> take my eyes off this. Um So one thing I did want to kind of briefly talk about, we are kind of starting to run out of time, unfortunately. It's been we keep letting ourselves get sidetracked. It's been a good conversation, but we are just, like, all over the place. But I feel like we've closed most of the parentheses by now. Yes. The one thing we did not touch on at all, and since you're here, Evan, I figure you're a good person to kind of talk about this, which is basically, like, lay some ground rules how to be, like, a grown-up on Twitter. Sure. Um, and, I mean, in social media in general, it's, like, basic ways to behave, basic ways to kind of not even protect yourself, but, like, control who can see what. I, you know, we've, I've thrown plenty of shade on our president before on this show, so I'm not going to shy away from doing it now. Right, 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 right. The man acts like a child on Twitter. Exactly. And it's, like, that's, I think that's a pretty clear example of, like, if you're going to be a professional adult who expects to be respected and taken seriously, that's not the way you conduct yourself. Right. And I think anybody who has ever applied for a job, uh, and has like an active social media presence has probably curtailed their behavior or mm-hmm. modified their behavior while that process is ongoing. Um, and I think that is probably a good way of starting to look at this, right? Like, um, there's something to be said for like, can you really be like the irreverent, like comedy star on social media? Um, and I'm really talking about like mostly Twitter. But it also comes down to like, are you venting about, are you venting about like coworkers on Facebook? Like, that stuff exists, and it's also very hard to maintain privacy controls over everything. Mm-hmm. That's kind of goes back to like the sprawling kind of digital nature that we live in. Like, the only really effective way to be the person that you want to be on social is to just actually be that person. If you have to go back and kind of like do a cleanup round, you're probably not going to find everything. I think the tough thing is that we each have a different red line. So for me, in the periods when I've been single, it's been my dating life. I really don't like to post about that on Twitter. But I'll I'll post about other personal things that I'm really not um, ashamed for people to um, see, but maybe that's because I just don't feel that personal. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you know I'm binge-watching, whatever. No, Um, and I think that there's, there's, it's... It is a tough and it's an ever evolving line. Like the you know, somebody just posted somebody that is just like one of my favorite people ever posted a picture of him just in his socks having broken his glass uh like ba- uh, bathroom scale. And like 
the reality is, is like that. It's like a picture that he took, like probably not wearing anything except a butt socks, but uh, like in his bathroom, like conceptually weird picture. But like, it's so funny. Like it has such a great caption and is totally innocuous. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's also like, like, yeah, posting about someone that like, ooh, I just, there was a, I forget, someone, this was a Vice story, which should not surprise anyone, but someone like live <laughs> tweeted like a whole round of like Tinder dates that they had. And like, go figure. I don't think, uh, I mean, it would be very fun to be like the other person to be like, oh, interesting feedback that you had on your Twitter account. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's sort of the thing that, um, people struggle with and honestly I've we all have I'm sure said shit on social media that you probably shouldn't have like just caught up in the moment you go this is me this is my platform to just vent and say whatever yeah. um, and you say something you probably shouldn't have or somebody about somebody who's probably going to see it this is why I truly do I mean for all of I mean for all of its flaws Twitter is is one of my favorite networks and it really stems from the fact that it is public by default yeah like you just it, that is a good like Start from zero, like realize that this is you shouting into the void. Yep. And like that's actually good. Where you get into trouble is on Facebook where you think that you're just like posting among friends or you really don't have control or understanding of of where everything is going to end up. And like people oftentimes don't even mean to be mean. But you know, if you say the wrong thing in the wrong context, like it's easy, especially with text based stuff, to just come off the wrong way, or, you know, like if you're posting and you think that only your friends are looking at it and but like a future employer or somebody who or your boss right now decides like let's take a scroll back yeah. like that's why i deleted my facebook account from college because like uh nobody needs that yeah including me including and especially me <laughs> um and it was uh yeah so that was actually great because that was just a fresh start like it's my Facebook now is like way closer to LinkedIn in terms of functionality. Yeah. Where before it was like a different, a different type of thing. <laughs> I was just bad at Facebook. I mean, well, I think we all just used it very differently maybe eight years ago. Yeah. So Facebook's on this day feature just sometimes gives me really terrible, oh, God. inane things I said. Not that's, that I'd be embarrassed by, but just I don't. It's emotional terrorism. I don't know why I posted it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had a couple of those crop up recently. Um, I think for the most part, I've done a pretty good job of like kind of keeping my social media presence uh, reflective of the person I want people to at least think I am. Yeah, that is an interesting. I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, <clears throat> one of the reasons why Snapchat is so popular right now is that you can be kind of your actual self on Snapchat because it does expire. It is like. Somebody would have to go through a lot of effort to like, they'd either have to jailbreak their phone or hook it up to their computer and like screenshot or like yeah. uh, screen capture it to really like get all of your stuff. It's like a high, it's a very high bar for maintaining a trail, yeah, even it's though it's technically possible. Technically possible, but, but it's not easy. Yeah, no, and I mean, and that's the, in terms of like being an adult on social, what that means is, is that because there is this paper trail on Twitter and Facebook, like you are going to present kind of like your aspirational self. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's actually probably a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, the the nobody expects that you're going to be as cute as you are on Instagram or as smart as you are on Twitter uh, all the time. To be clear, life. I'm not super smart on Twitter. <laughs> that's not a thing. You know. <laughs> um, and I think it's actually okay. And I, I would also 
say that like the the piece about keeping your kids off of um, off of social like as somebody that does not have kids and probably won't for a little while I do think it's it's very interesting to conceptualize yeah because like in another way like maybe that would be like a great solid like maybe being proactive and like like where do you learn right like you learn by making you learn by making mistakes and like I don't know I certainly shouldn't have been trusted to to like be on the internet as a 13 year old Oh yeah, probably. Like, not. but I, but also my parents didn't like actually know what was the internet. It's not that they didn't know what the internet was, but like, I was on like gadget forums and stuff, mm-hmm. like programming forums. Like, who knows what happened? <laughs> no one should. But at the same time, like you know, you you do stupid crap, and God forbid anyone finds those posts. But <laughs> you know, how do you learn about that stuff? They don't teach about like how to be how to be an adult on social yeah. in schools. Like, they don't even teach you how to balance your checkbook. No. I mean the, the 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 social thing that the um I I think is something that probably could and should be taught in schools. Um and I feel like the balancing a checkbook thing like these are skills that understandably aren't really taught in schools. Where where are you going to do that? But I think, you know, some of like the digital literacy stuff, that's something that can probably I would love that. That would be pretty clearly easily be worked into like partially in an English class or I mean, I'd argue some of it would go into health, probably. Mm, yep. So, I, don't I mean, know. I'd love to have a social media component of like a health class. Mm-hmm. That would be so good. Guys, social media is actually bad. Just in case, just in case. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it a, it's a terrible place. <laughs> it's actually not. It's actually not a good invention. <laughs> it's the worst, but also the best. But also the best. I mean, you can get the dankest memes. Maybe not on <laughs> demand, but like pretty close. Pretty pretty damn close. And that's got to be worth something, right? Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, before we kind of move on to the wind down, any last thoughts on technology and being an adult? Don't be afraid to Google hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's good advice. Just YouTube and Google exist for a reason. Oh, yeah. And also, you know, there are other humans. Ask Twitter. Don't be yeah. afraid to, like, source other people's opinions that way true also don't don't get medical advice from from the internet no yeah as someone who gets unwanted opinions on twitter even when i am specifically not asking a question i would say do not ask twitter questions well i think it depends on what you're asking if you're not asking a question and you're getting opinions that's no that's not okay but if you're asking for specific advice and as long as you're asking for the right kind of information twitter can be useful um i've definitely like asked people like I don't know where this, to get this done in my neighborhood. This comes back to the broadcast medium, though. Like, Twitter being inherently public, like, maybe not the best place for a question that's, like, specific like that. Facebook groups are actually, like, incredibly powerful for that. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, the nature and design of the social network, like... I mean, yeah, you can't see me... If you're listening to this, like, in your car, you can't see me, like, grimacing at the, <laughs> at the thought of, like... Uh, even solicited opinions <laughs> sometimes on Twitter. But, yes, small groups yeah, I, can I would, be good. <laughs> I would never ask Twitter for, like, their opinion on, like, how I look or anything like that. Like, don't... But, like, you I'll should ask, do that. Should, no, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> but, like, I'd ask, I asked Twitter the other day for advice uh, for trying to pick, like, a new guitar amp because 
the one that I own currently is a giant monstrosity that is way too loud for a one-bedroom apartment, and the other one I have is a cheap piece of crap that probably shouldn't cost more than $5 and is literally unplayable. Yeah. So it's like, I need a new one, I need a small practice amp. Somebody point me in the right direction, because I have been out of the game on this stuff for and quite you, a long time. Did you get some recommendations? I got a couple of recommendations. I I've made my decision, I believe. It is not one of the ones that was recommended to me. But sure. But they got you started. They got me started. Pointed me in a good direction. And I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm joking around, but I have put out calls for, like, you know, what is good on Netflix right now? Yeah. Like, you know, what kind of, uh, like, what kind of movies should I watch? And, like, Ask that sort of thing. That's great. Like, sometimes that works. Other times, you know. Uh, the most important piece of advice, though, about being an adult on the internet, just to come back real quick to something you mentioned before, don't go on WebMD. Don't go on WebMD. Don't, don't ever do that. That's just like oh, literally the, the worst thing Dr. you can Google, do. Doctor Google, yeah. Doctor Google's bad, but to Dana's point, though, I will say that like there are lots of uh, there are now luckily lots more cool things that you can do. Like you can have a private Twitter account. Um, some tools at your disposal are banning and muting people. Mm -hmm. If you're on Tumblr, um, you know you can also have private accounts there and keep that to to limited people. So there are options, and I would say. Uh, also, if you are someone who does find like venting on social to be like a therapeutic exercise, just lock that account. Just, <laughs> just, just hit that lock button. And I mean, go to town. To be fair, I use Twitter as a way to vent, but I also don't care. It's <laughs> well, some people have have the privilege to do that, and others don't. Yeah, I mean, I you, I don't think I'm saying or doing anything that would necessarily get me in trouble. It's mostly you know throwing middle finger gifts at our president. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> which never, I'm pretty okay. You with. never know. You never know. <laughs> For Trump 2020, you might, you never know. Um, he might ban you from Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably for the better. <laughs> it probably works out for everybody. Did you have something else to add, Dana? No. Okay. No. <laughs> you looked like you were about to say something. And <laughs> like, you were like, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. Um, so it's time to move on to the wind down. We're kind of like make some recommendations. Like hmm. we said, you know. Social media is good for that. We're going to spend a little extra time with Dana, so we're saving you for last. Yay, okay. Uh, Evan, do you have anything specifically you want to recommend to the people? Anything you've been reading, watching, yes. enjoying? Yes, so, so the um, song that I have had just on repeat is Frank Ocean's Slide. And uh, just as like a social shout-out, um, Genius's head of social, Josh Edwards, that's jo at Josh U., Edwards on Twitter has some of the best like uh, they're not really explainers they're like disassembly videos for music and I just you guys should check that out like those are good cool awesome uh, I'm just gonna recommend baseball just like in all of its forms the concept of baseball just the concept <laughs> you may of have baseball. heard of it <laughs> <laughs> it is the best guys um, you know last last night well I guess it'll be two nights ago by the time you're watching and listening to this. Uh, U.S. won the World Baseball Classic. That was an exciting series. It's a thing that gets shit on a lot, but it's baseball at its finest. Major League Baseball is about to start up as April comes up. I'm going to be tweeting less about politics and a lot more about baseball. And Just, the Mets. Yeah. So from one thing that nobody cares about my opinions on to another thing that nobody cares about my opinions on. I just searched, when was baseball invented? <laughs> Um, I'm already. Get, I mean, like, who knows if this is accurate? But I mean, like, my goodness. I mean, if you want, if you want a specific thing, yeah. watch Ken Burns baseball. Like, Ken Burns is excellent in general, but baseball, I think, is pers is like his finest work. I think it's a little bit better than the Jazz one. Definitely better than Civil War. It's just so good. So so. so this good. goes back to being just like an idiot 
and just Googling, but like, was baseball invented in New York? I have no idea where baseball I don't know the answer. Google's automated and I would not be surprised. Admittedly, not accurate in many cases. uh, Card that comes up says that it was invented in New York in 1839. I mean, that sounds like it could be accurate. It could be, but it could also be a deep Reddit troll. Yeah. You never know. It could also be one of those things that's like highly controversial. That's true. Um, We're going to end with you, Dana. Okay. Um, I gave you some homework. Um, Yes, you did. So you want to explain to the people what's going on here real quick? Okay, so um, (laughs) anyone who knows me, especially my coworkers, know that there is a long list of pop culture stuff, especially movies, but we we covered Hoarders earlier, some TV shows that I have not seen for whatever reason. Um, This was my idea. You gave me homework, but I actually asked you to, going forward, give me assigned viewing each week and um, help me catch up, um, find a movie you feel I should have seen that I can stream on Netflix or Amazon and I'll watch it. Yeah. So to kick things off this week, you assign me Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Such a good choice, by the way. It was, In I terms was... terms of all the, like, classics This you was a pretty stream. big one. Uh, like, it was pretty high on the list of stuff where if I told, especially men in my life that I hadn't seen the movie, oh, really? they, they, they'd get angry at me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, what'd you think? I mean, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I enjoyed it more than I thought, but it, it's... I know you guys are attached to it. I think if I saw it as a kid, I would have been either disinterested and or a little afraid. Um, I was. I looked it up. I was eight and a half yeah, when it hit is theaters. Like actually, scary. Oh yeah, like, I mean, coming after the car. Yeah. Have you seen my live tweets about this? I did see up until the car part. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Your live tweets, by the way, are pretty great. I wish there was more of them. I, I lost steam after. <laughs> About halfway through the movie, because um, yeah, there's nothing about the velociraptors in my in my tweets. It's mostly about um, you end with Newman as a bad hombre. He is a bad hombre, <laughs> bad dude. He got everything he deserved. I I think my favorite though is still just O M G this T Rex. Yeah, just says it all. That's yeah. just. <laughs> well, what did also, you think about the the animatronics? I think they've they've held up fairly well. I do know that if I if my parents had permitted me to see this in theaters as a kid, it would have scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I guess my thing about the movie is it, it it feels a little generic to me, even compared to other Steven Spielberg movies. Yeah. I, I read. I it was funny to watch this in 2017 because I was reading it with my smartphone in hand. I was sort of googling things all through the movie, and I read that. Steven Spielberg wanted this to be a sort of sequel to Jaws, except on land. Right. Yeah. And by the way, I haven't seen Jaws. I actually. Also I'm sorry, Terrence. I'm sorry. This is why we're doing this recurring. Oh segments. my god. Okay. This that is your viewing for next week. Do I have to? <laughs> anyway, um, I haven't Continue. seen Jaws, but I imagine it's probably a superior film to Jurassic Park. It is 100. percent And. Yeah, so it felt generic compared to other Steven Spielberg movies I've seen, but also it just, I don't really understand why people revere Jurassic Park more than, let's say, Armageddon. It had the same um, plot structure, right? Where, and similar narrative devices where most people survive, but a few people get knocked off and killed along the way. I mean, that's like uh, a really predictable. I'm twitching on the inside right now. <laughs> I just want you to know. I you think are. it's just. <laughs> Lots. I have also a laundry list of like, especially particularly books, but also movies, and it definitely happens all the time where someone's like, "You must watch this." 
but you'll never be able to like see it as an eight-year-old like this. Yeah. What I like best about Jurassic Park was, um, I think John Williams's music. That the oh, oh the music totally. is amazing. The the parts of the movie where I felt most engrossed in a way or felt anything resembling an emotional response probably were spurred on by the music. There was not much in the way of character development or good writing, which is important to me otherwise. I mean, so, I disagree with that, but continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt that the you, you watched Jurassic Park, and I watched it ultimately for the special effects, the suspense, and the music, and the music helped yeah. with the suspense. So can I ask real quick before we, we, we continue, what did you watch it on? Do you have like a nice big TV? Were you like watching it on your laptop? No, you know, you're, you're not the first person to ask me that. People mm. really seem concerned that I wasn't getting a theater-like experience. I have um, a nearly 40-inch, it's like a 37-inch TV. I have a Roku stick. Um, so I watched it on my television. Okay. But I don't uh, have a surround is your, sound. Is your television an IPS? panel or no okay it's an old tv i just kept yeah oh yeah <laughs> how close were you to this yeah can you give us TV? like the pixel depth that you were watching it in i was a few feet away yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the people uh. did seem concerned a little let down that i wasn't seeing it with thx oh sound. i mean i mean that would be cool but it like, would be. who has that right here's what i'll say is you're not going to get the theater experience and even if you did, it would only make some difference, probably, at the end of the day. I think going to the theater and watching it, having seen it as a child, would definitely bring back memories. It's a very nostalgic kind of thing. Uh, but if it's your first time experiencing it, while it does hold up, it's not the mind-blowing thing it was in, what, 1994? Three. 93. So, I mean... I mean, ideally, you have, like... I mean, here... Well, not here, but like in Brooklyn, there are there are a bunch of different theaters that will play classics yeah. all the time. That is totally great. I mean, but if you don't live in a place like Brooklyn, like what are you gonna do? Like, you know, like <laughs> unless you have a home theater set up, the the new sixty five inch OLED guys, it's only six thousand dollars. It's totally fine. What <laughs> um, I'm yeah, I guess what we're saying is just don't watch. Just don't watch movies. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I saw it. I just don't quite see what the hype is about. And also, I, I know I've been told that I'm supposed to really be into Jeff Goldblum after this, but... No. Hey, no. That's, I mean, a, that's just a meme. It is? Yeah. Okay. He's not like... He's like a sexy man, but like... Is not, he? Not like in the literal way. He's he's a weird <laughs> dude. Yeah. Um, he basically plays the same character in every movie. I know. I get it's, that. It's, uh, it's it works. It works really well in it's that movie, beautiful. to be fair. Um, but yeah. He's hot in like in the I, like the platonic I, idea of what uh, hotness is. Is he? Like, well, I guess in that he thinks it really hard. <laughs> and then it comes is out. Is that of, what it is? Yeah. It's a confidence thing? <laughs> yeah. It's like if he just believes it He's so hard. He's thinking about the conceptual notion of hotness so hard that it's just like steaming out well I'm glad you watched it I'm glad that you at least enjoyed it a little bit the fact that you compared it at all to Armageddon it makes my head explode I can see that honestly it's just like insane to me insane to me R.I.P. my mentions probably because <laughs> yeah. people are eventually going to hear this and Devendra might strangle you uh oh <laughs> maybe I mean you never know he might come in and be like yeah I don't know Okay. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there that Armageddon is a piece of shit. 
I haven't seen that movie. What happens in that movie? That's Armageddon is the one with. I mean, no, clearly Steve, in Armageddon. Steve Buscemi, Bruce Willis, right? Steve Buscemi's in that movie. I believe so. I'll I believe that's again. the Steve Buscemi, Bruce Willis one, where they have to go try to redirect the asteroid or oh, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's with the, with the yes with the yes. horrible Aerosmith song. Oh God, it's so good. I mean, and my. Ben Affleck, sorry. Thank yes, you. <laughs> yes. Bruce Willis is like, I'm a middle American. No, but that, what's the man. other one? That's the Bruce Willis is the other one? There's like two movies that are basically the same that came See, out. See, they're all exactly generic. The You're kind of proving my Wait, point. Wait, I can't remember. See, if those this is... two are generic though. So Jurassic Park predates those by a pretty significant margin. Um Yeah, it's the asteroid one. Okay. But yeah. Jaws predates and I haven't seen Jaws, but I will for next week. Yes. Jaws predates Jurassic Park by a significant margin. So like isn't Jurassic Park generic of itself? No, not necessarily. Whoa. I mean, even for Steven whoa. Spielberg. I mean, by that sta- by that standard, all kind of like suspense monster movie kind of things are in a way generic. Uh, they are, like just. <laughs> I mean, they are to an extent, but if you do it really well, it's about the execu- oh, then, yeah, it's, yeah, it's totally. about the execution. It's like, have you ever seen? Uh, I know you haven't, so I don't even know why I'm asking Which you, movie? Dana. Uh, have you seen The Host? No. No. Okay, never mind. Um, I believe it's a Korean film. I could be wrong about that, but monster movie, it's great. But I mean, it's also like a dumb suspense monster movie, but it's just the way it's executed, the way it's filmed, the music, the performances, the way the whole thing is edited together that actually keeps the suspense up. Like, there's no suspense in... Armageddon in a movie like that. You know people are going to survive and who's going to survive the entire time. You know the day is going to be saved by whoever. A um, good monster movie that you could probably find for $2, bootlegged at the bodega, okay. is... Uh, um, oh, God, which is the... I forget the name of it now. I don't know. The Sorry, I can't believe it. It's not uh, It's not The Room. It's um, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Cabin so in the Woods good. is excellent, but that is also a different beast. It sort of is. I did. I did actually rewatch that fairly recently. It's, um, I'm gonna is, cross Jaws off my list first. Yeah, yeah. Cross Jaws off. We we can do the room Cabin is, in the Woods. The room is very different. The room is a very different That's movie. That's very different which, than Cabin in the Woods. Which also we might have to make Dana watch at some point. I specifically well, asked Terrence not to give well, me anything too violent or scary, but we're clearly going to start with the Jaws and. Um, I mean, if Jaws and Jurassic Park. Silence are t- of the Lambs is coming up. If those are too violent and scary for That's you. That's good. I mean, those. Those are all those great seem, movies. Those though. seem chill. The Room is, up, is upsetting. The Room is <laughs> it's upsetting. I don't know if I would watch it again. <laughs> Wait, are you speaking about Room or The Room? The. Um, You're speaking of the Brie Larson one, right? Which is Room. Yeah. That's a different movie. With the Daughter. Yeah, that's a different movie than I'm yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. Okay. I'm talking about The Room with yeah. Tommy Wiseau, which is oh, yes. one of the greatest oh, things definitely. ever Definitely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, that's just, worth, just, that's just worth, trust that's me, worth Dana. your time right <laughs> that's, there. That is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should we open this up to listeners, do you think? Yes. And just have them make nominations for what my assigned viewing should be? Yes, no, I think so. Idea. We should okay. open it up, make suggestions. We'll kind of weed through it. We'll act as the, Once we have some, I will do a Twitter poll. Okay. And uh, and we'll get some. The qualification. So I subscribe to Netflix and Amazon. I don't mind spending a few bucks to rent something, but I have to be able to access it through Netflix or Amazon Prime Video. Okay. okay. We can make that yeah. work. Um, I think that's a that's as good a place to wrap it up as okay. any. Please send your um, 
recommendations and suggestions, you can send them to the podcast. It's at Engadget Podcast on Twitter. You can also send them directly to Dana Woolman. And oh, thank you. <laughs> and what, what is your Twitter handle so that people can just spam it's, you with this stuff? It's my full oh, name. It's, oh, it's over now. Full name recently turned off to Twitter eggs, so don't be a Twitter egg, <laughs> please. Uh, can they send you recommendations as well for Dana, Evan? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's it's at Evan Rogers. There is a D in that Rogers. It's, I mean, it's Rogers the D. So there. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, send me recommendations for Dana. I will. I'll, I'll help collate these, and we'll we'll figure out what she needs to watch next for her homework assignment. I'm at Terrence O'Brien. And lots of E's, no A's. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast in your app of choice, whether that's iTunes, Pocket Cast, Google Play, whatever. Give us a rating because that's, you know, works out for us. More people find the show, and we like it when people listen to the show. It's a good thing. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you guys for joining me. And we'll be back next week with, you know, more mindless nonsense. We'll probably talk about news next week, actually, yeah. as opposed to this weird rambling thing. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>